and we're trusting God to do a great and mighty work. Take your hymn books, please. Turn to hymn number 486. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let's sing this together. We've got to stand up. Let's stand together and we'll sing this song. As Pastor Bob said, it's great to have you with us this morning. Um, God is always good, isn't he? Amen. Well, God is good, and he is definitely good this morning. A couple of announcements to share with you as uh, we continue in our service. Uh, first of all, next Sunday night, July 29th at 6 p.m., uh, there's going to be a showing of the movie I Can Only Imagine. So again, if you haven't seen it, you can only imagine. Just kidding. That's it. Come on. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny, right? That was funny. No, but you, you, thank you. You can only, you can only imagine. I hope you're able to come out and see it. Uh, it's going to be a great time. Please bring a chair with you. There will be popcorn, um, but you definitely want to bring a chair so that you're able to sit comfortably. Um, a baptismal service is planned for August 12th, Sunday, August 12th. If you are interested in being baptized, please see Pastor Bob. Uh, the church picnic is scheduled for August 26th. Um, and if you are interested in helping with that, please see Kim Booker. The Bolivia team leaves not this Tuesday, but next Tuesday at 3.30 in the morning. Um, 3.30 in the morning. So we expect Pastor Bob's going to be there to pray us off, right? No, I'm just kidding. But we, will, we are going to head out at 3.30 in the morning, and uh, it's definitely going to be a great trip. Um, but we ask that you start to, uh, and continue to, if you've already been praying for 
the trip and for the team. Uh, you can see uh, some of the faces up there of, of the different individuals. The only one that's missing is, is Nehemiah. Um, one year, one month he'll be when he's traveling, so pray for Sarah. And, and myself. Um, no, but, but really, uh, please, please be praying for these individuals. Um, it, it definitely is stepping outside of, of uh, our comfort zone and doing this. And, um, but we're going to be able to see some of the missionaries that we support here at Word of Life Chapel. Um, Tito and Dilma, hopefully we'll be able to see Yvonne and Cindy as well. And, and we definitely want to bring encouragement from Word of Life Chapel to them um, that may, they might be blessed through, through the visit and uh, through the time there. Uh, but all that being said, there is a blog, and there's a link in your bulletin uh, that you are able to follow along with what is happening on the trip. So I know sometimes when you're on this side of the trip, uh, you can wonder what's happening. Uh, but the awesome thing about technology is we can now upload pictures, and we can fill you in on the different things that the Lord has done uh, through this trip. So if you go to this blog, and there's a little spot on the right where you insert your email, you insert your email address, and it will send you updates. Um, that way it takes out the middleman, and, and we don't write your email down incorrectly. So uh, if you could do that, that would be wonderful. Would you pray with me this morning as, as we continue in our service? Lord, we are so thankful that we can gather together this morning. Lord, there are so many distractions uh, that the enemy and, and uh, the outside world, Lord, want us to look at instead of looking at you. And Lord, we ask that this morning you remove those distractions that, Lord, we may look solely at you. Lord, may you be our focus. May everything that's said and done this morning be for your glory, as you're the only one that deserves it. In Jesus' name, amen. Gene Weaver is going to come and, and sing a special song this morning. We've been blessed the last few weeks with the messages that Pastor Bob's been bringing to us on Job and realizing all the things he had to go through in his life and it has been amazing. And then in Sunday school this morning, what do we have but the teachings of that we go through a lot of suffering and pain in our lives, but it's ways that we can glorify God. He knows what we can take because he's the potter and we are the clay. you're going through the fire it's getting hard to stand the heat but even harder is the wondering is God's hand still on me it's lonely in the flames when you're counting days of pain but the potter knows the clay, how much pressure it can take, how many times around the wheel, till there's submission to his will. He's planned a beautiful design, but it'll take some fire But it's gonna be okay Cause the potter knows the clay 
and I just came through that fire not too very long ago and looking back I can see why and that my God was in control but on the hottest days I cry oh Lord isn't it about time but the potter knows the clay how much pressure it can take how many times around the wheel till there's submission to his will he's planned a beautiful The potter knows the clay. He's planned a beautiful design, but it'll take some fire and time. It's gonna be okay. Cause the potter, he knows the Thank you, Gene. Well, this morning we get a twofer. We have the Morrison family with us, and uh, we, of course, we support uh, CEF, um, of which Brooke Morrison is the director of CEF of Dauphin County. And so with his daughter coming to us this morning, we invited Brooke to come as well and share with us uh, some of the things that are taking place with CEF. It's a busy summer, as it always is, and so Brooke, why don't you come and uh, share a few words with us, if you would, please. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Bob. Good morning. It's great to, to be here with uh, part of our family. We've been, of course, with Chaudhavis Fellowship for 18 years, and uh, of the 67 years here in Dolphin County, and, and you know, it's always a blessing to be able to visit, uh, you know, Word of Life and other churches that have known our, our ministry for so many years, those that have been involved in, in the teaching of Good News Club or under the teaching of it as a, as a child or um, been involved in five-day clubs or helping out with uh, release time classes, things like that, and it's, it's always been a, a great blessing to come and just uh, share about what the Lord is continuing to do in our county and beyond. Um, my wife, Jeanette, is here. It's 25 years we've been, uh, we've been married, so we just celebrated that in June. And our daughter, Melissa, she's the oldest of three. Jansen and Morgan are not here, but um, it's been a great blessing to see what the Lord's doing in Melissa's life in Minneapolis. And uh, Jeanette and I were privileged to take her out um, in the fall, last fall, and uh, people ask, well, what's it like to drop off your daughter to work with Somali Muslims and, and even in a, in a, a big city like uh, Minneapolis? And, and, you know, it's amazing how the Lord can just give us peace. You know, I've never, even when she called it, 
She always calls and says, well, the neighbor's car was on fire or the SWAT team was, the SWAT team was in our yard. And, you, you know, it's like, well, Lord, you know, she's, she's in your, your hands. And how much more can we just have peace about that and uh, have perfect peace about that? So um, I'm looking forward to what she's going to share with you. And, and it's just a gr- great delight to see her walk with the Lord. I think that's what is always evident to my life that she's praying about things. She's always looking to see what the Lord would want her to do in her busy life uh, uh, up there in, in uh, Minneapolis as well. But it has been a, a great privilege to be a part of the ministry here, um, ministering to children. And uh, our, our need is very great, just like as Melissa will share. Um, lots of people from around the world come to our clubs, our Good News Clubs, our day camp uh, just two weeks ago, our five-day clubs, of course. and. What a great privilege to have, you know, people from around the world coming uh, under the teaching of the Word of God in their in their local public schools or in their neighborhoods, things like that. So, um, I'm just going to real quickly eat, uh, read Ephesians 5, 8. I read this um, just this morning, and I thought how appropriate uh, in our ministry and our our needs uh, these days. It says, um, it says, for you once. Uh, uh, were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light uh, can consist of goodness, righteousness, and truth, and, fi- and find out what pleases the Lord. And I thought how important it is that we live light in a dark world, that we live righteousness, we live truth in this world. Um, and, and that's so important. Um, to, for us as believers to be able to live that light amongst those that walk in spiritual darkness. And I thought of that. Um, I teach a club in a good news club, one of 2025 that we had this past year. And, um, and it's, uh, we have uh, many Hindu children in that club. And it's a great privilege to be able to teach them something that's light in their spiritual darkness. And Bakul came to my mind because not only did he come each week to a, a good news club, but he came to day camp this, this, uh, this uh, past week or two weeks ago. And um, he had prayed to receive the Lord, and he said, you know, this is, and, and right away as you could see his challenge that he faced because he knew he was going home, and he said, I don't know if this matches up with what my mom or dad or what's going to happen at home. And the next week I talked to him about that. And he said, well, my mom said that I can hear these things, but I can never believe them. And, and, and you know, he's, a, he's about a 10-year-old boy, and yet he knew what he was receiving was truth, was righteousness, was light in, 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 a, in a world or a culture that's darkness to him. And so what a great privilege to see him and his brother and his two cousins that are both Hindu from New York. They came to our ca- uh, camp this uh, pe- uh, two weeks ago. And to be un- under the word of God and under teaching like that. Uh, we have Coptic uh, from Egypt, and, and the same thing. They, they, they see the light, and they see the gospel presented to them, and, and they're confused about what they see at home and what we're sharing from God's word. So pray for those, those opportunities. Even our five-day clubs. Um, a five-day club, if you're not familiar with that, we invite hosts uh, in a given area to invite children in their neighborhood. We train high school and college-age students to go out and teach kind of like a, a mini VBS in their backyard. And it's a way for us to take those children and then tie them into, in the fall, a good news club throughout the school year. 
and so pray for those. Um, just the other day, Friday, I was on, uh, it was North 2nd uh, Street, and we had a club there. And uh, unfortunately, the neighbor next door, moments before they started their club, um, they, they took a, a woman out in a body bag. And I thought, what a contrast. You know, we have neighbors that walk in that spiritual darkness. I, I don't know her, you know, her former, you know, spiritual life, but I think of, of children and adults, parents, that live right around us and how important it is for us to live that light, uh, that truth amongst our neighbors. And so that's what our ministry's about. All the more, I think we live in challenging days to be able to bring a five-day club into a neighborhood or a good news club into a public school or a neighborhood like that. So we need your prayers and we thank you for your support to our ministry. Um, I close with this. In the last three weeks, we've been in the, the local Hummelstown Sun paper. Um, a few months ago, we, we applied for uh, use of facility application in the Derry Township, that's Hershey, and, and everybody told us how much of a challenge that would be. It's been 60, 67 years that we have not been in that township, and, and a parent, parents came to us and said would they like to have a Bible club for children, and I said, well, we'll make a use of facilities, and um, you know, we weren't even invited to the meeting, didn't expect to have to go there because for many years we've done this, um, but there was some people that came against Good News Club and said that we, we teach hatred, we teach bullying. I mean, I, I think many of you are familiar with Good News Clubs, but that's how, the, how Satan can use people to try to combat what we try to simply teach the love of Christ to, to, to boys and girls. And so um, this week's paper, it says, it says good, news, good news versus Satan, kindness versus punishment. And so the whole article is, is about people who came in, in with about Good News Club. For more than 58 years, they've been involved in Good News Club and, and bringing love and, and bringing kindness and goodness and helping children to come to understand the gospel and, and be saved and then be an encouragement, light to, dark, uh, to a dark world. Um, so just pray for that. Pray for that, that meeting. Um, the school board tabled that use of facilities um, but pray that the Lord would soften their hearts, that we would be able to have a simple good news club in Derry Township, but also pray for our summer ministry. As we're about halfway through, we have some more five-day clubs, another day camp. But the Lord has certainly blessed us. We have great enrollment in clubs, and it's all because of people praying and the Lord's graciousness to our ministry. So uh, look forward to uh, what the Lord's going to do uh, throughout the summer. So thank you again for your support to us. Thank you, Brooke. Uh, we have uh, the Wilberts with us this morning, uh, Brian and Nicole and family uh, from Alaska. Uh, they're home, of course, for a wedding that's coming up on Saturday, but good to have you guys with us uh, this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your love to us. We thank you, Father, that we can come before your throne and bring, Lord, our petitions. Lord, you are a God who saves. You're a God who loves, a God of all grace and comfort. We thank you, Lord, for Brooke and for the work he does with CEF. We do ask that, Lord, you might open this door so that they might have this club in this township. 
Father, we know you're a God who is able to do above and beyond what we could ask or think. And Lord, as we have been studying uh, the book of Job, we know that Satan is limited, that God is in control. And Father, you are able to overrule uh, what Satan is trying to accomplish. And so we ask that, Lord, you might show yourself in this situation, show yourself to the people of that area, that you're a God, a great God, a kind God, and that CEF is doing a good work. Father, we thank you, too, for this meeting that you've given us this morning, this time that we can spend together. Father, to be able to come apart from the world and to become, uh, be able to come together. Father, we count it a great joy to be surrounded by your people. Father, we pray, Lord, as we continue uh, that you might be glorified and you might be honored in everything we do. We thank you, Father, for salvation. We thank you, Father, for the grace that you've shown to each of us, that through faith, Lord, we have the assurance of being in your family. Thank you, Father, for our home that is being prepared in heaven. We look forward, Lord, to the day when you will come back and take us to be with yourself. But until that day, Lord, there's much to be done here. As Brooke has read, Lord, we do live in a world of darkness. But you have given to us the light. Father, help our lives to shine. Help this church to shine. Help CEF to shine. That, that people might come in contact with the living Lord Jesus. So we thank you so much for the time you've given us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing trust in you? There's not a day ahead you have 
was in his money, he would have given up. If his hope was in his cattle, in his livestock, he would have given up. But his hope wasn't in those things. His hope was in the Lord. I've been held by the Savior And I felt fire from above And I've been down to the river And I ain't the same, a prodigal return And all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone. And all my sins are forgiven. And I've been washed by the blood. I've watched echoes and chains, but I've been freed and forgiven. I'm not going back. I'll never be the same. All my hope. That's why I say. All my hope is in Jesus. 
Thank God that yesterday's gone. All my sins are forgiven. And I've been washed by the blood. All my hope. And all my hope is in Jesus. Thank God that yesterday's gone and all my sins are forgiven and I've been washed by the blood. Amen. All my hope is in Jesus. Would you take a moment and turn around, shake someone's hand and tell them this, all my hope is in Jesus. Well, it was probably a little over nine months ago uh, in which Melissa Morrison was here with us and uh, she was sharing her ministry and where she's going and what she's doing. 
and I, I think she really captured all of our hearts. Um, and I know we've stayed in touch. She sends newsletters, and uh, many of you receive those. Uh, but we've invited her back. It's been nine months now, and um, it's just going to be interesting now to see uh, all that God has done in those nine months. She is planning to return, and so we do need to keep her before the Lord. Uh, we do have the white church out in the foyer. If you care to help with her ministry, uh, please take advantage of that white church. As uh, you know, ministries. Uh, not always cheap. There's always expenses, uh, always need another dollar for another thing, so uh, help her out if you can. Help her out if you can. So Melissa, thank you for returning to us and uh, returning home, and we're anxious to see what God has done in these past nine months. So God bless you. Thank you. Good morning. I am very thankful that um, I'm able to spend a few months home and going to my supporting churches and informing them definitely, as Pastor Bear was saying, what God has been doing up in Minneapolis. Let's see if my, there we go, now I can see it. Um, I wanted to start off by sharing a verse with you that has been um, very impactful in my heart, and um, it shares what God um, has led me to do up in Minneapolis. Um, it's found in 2 Corinthians 5.20, and it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. Or that last part can, um, in another translation, it says, make an appeal through us. And I've been burdened for the hearts of Muslims around the world, especially here in America and concentrated in Minneapolis. And as I think of how we can reach them, I think of us as being ambassadors for Christ. And how else is the voice of God supposed to be heard to those who don't know his name? Or how is his hands to be extended to eyes that are on other gods, as the Muslims are? Or how is God's patience to be known to these Muslims for centuries have rejected him and turned to their own religion? And it is through messengers that his word, that God's gospel can be proclaimed to people around the world. Max Lucado, in his book, I've read this past few months up there, it, that's called It's Not About Me, he talks about what an ambassador is. And he says, the ambassador has a singular aim, to represent his king. He promotes the king's agenda, protects the king's reputation, and presents the king's will. The ambassador elevates the name of the king, and nothing is more exciting for me to imagine, specifically Muslims, um, coming before the throne of God and worshiping, worshiping him, or former Muslims who are now believers, and elevating his name as the true and reigning king. And as Psalm 67, 4 says, Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. So for the past nine months, I have been serving in Minneapolis. I left 
the beginning of September last year and stayed about till mid-June. And I learned a lot about braving the cold. Temperatures got into negatives, 20s. One time, me and my roommates even had to get an extension cord and put a hair dryer on the end of it to um, unfreeze our locks on our cars. And then we had to spend probably, I think it was three hours shoveling out our cars so that the, uh, they could plow the streets and that our cars wouldn't be towed away so, and all this. But, um, so I've learned a lot about braving the cold, but more importantly, I've learned how God wants us to reach even the coldest of hearts and make them tender and acceptable to um, his Savior. And so at a very young age, I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and my parents were very influential in that. And because I grew up in a ministry family, I learned how God intends for us to make disciples around the world. And God burdened my heart specifically for inner city ministry. And then as I've been living here for or there for the past nine months, I've kind of come to realize why I like the city so much. And I think it's because there are so many cultures that come to a city, um, people from all over the world. And I want to share with you specifically these people that have come to Minneapolis. And Minneapolis is like your typical city. You can find a different restaurant of a different country, probably on every corner. You can find shops that sell different things made in these different countries, clothes, and almost every school has a program for teaching English because there's a lot of children that have come from different countries that don't know English. But there's something that sets Minnesota, or Minneapolis, apart, and that's the amount of Muslims that live there. There's an estimate of 200,000 Muslims that live in Minnesota. And while I've lived up there, um, God has opened my eyes, and I've been able to see his light penetrate into the lives of many Muslim women, children, and then extended to their families. And this internship that I was on gave me a better picture of what they believe, why they pray five times a day, why they fast during Ramadan, um, all those things. I've learned a lot about the importance of the local church and how we're supposed to be the light to those in our community. And most importantly, I've learned how God is continuing to mold me and shape me into who he wants me to be and as his servant. And since Word of Life has played a major role in individuals in this church, I wanted to share with you um, how God has worked and how I pray he will continue to work as I head back up to Minnesota in the fall. I praise God for so many answers to prayer, and one that I sometimes am easily to skip over, but probably the one that every single day I rely on him for is for my safety. I drive a lot in the city. I kind of joke around that I live more in my car than I do in my house because a commute of 20 minutes can easily turn into an hour during rush hour time. Um, and as I've walked many different places, I walk in the Somali community a lot. And as I try new food, this is an example of Somali food. 
my friends have made for me. That one big dish on the floor is uh, rice and then some, I think it was goat meat on the side of it. They eat a lot of goat and camel. But what I realized is God has kept me safe from a lot of the bacteria, the different things that I'm not used to eating. They always eat with their hands, so you just scoop it up. Um, that picture, we were all sitting kind of Indian style around these plates and um, eating the rice. And it's very good food, but at the same time, you never know what kinds of food you're actually putting into your body. Um, and so I'm thankful for the Lord's protection in that. Also, another avenue God opened up for me um, is through working or helping out at a cafe. So this cafe is kind of close to my house. It's right across from a big university, the University of Minnesota. And um, it's owned by a Muslim family. And this Muslim family is from Palestine. And in the first probably three days, the owner, he asked if I could work for them. And it led to so many opportunities, and I'll share one specifically later on. Um, but I worked right alongside one of the wives, and so we talked about life, and they were very curious. They were more kind of nominal Muslims. They still practiced, but they were, um, they would say that I would go to heaven. So there's kind of multiple ways to go to heaven. But they were curious about why I went to church, um, why I was even working with Somalis and those type of things. I remember one time and that made a really big impact on me was I would usually arrive in the morning and kind of smiling, saying good morning, but one morning I wasn't, probably didn't sleep well or something and I got right to work. And Majib, the one actually next to my dad, he asked, um, up there in the picture, he asked, well, what is this? You're not saying good morning, not smiling? He's like, I, you go to church, right? And I said, yeah, I do. He's like, yeah, and church people, they say good morning, and they're nice all the time. And I was like, oh. Um, and it was a reminder to me that a smile makes a big difference. And um, our actions they're always watching. The unbelievers, um, they know that we're different, and um, they, they see Christ in us. But if we're, if we're not doing that, then they're not able to see that. I'm reminded of that passage where it says that we are a sweet aroma for Christ. And so um, through that, it was neat to get to know this family and even the culture of Muslims and, again, why they practice certain things. Another door that God opened, Avenue, was um, to start an international game night at my church. Uh, me and another man headed it up, and we invited internationals from all different um, nationalities, and they came, and we had a potluck first, and then we would play games in the gym, uh, all sorts of stuff, board games, and I got to know one specific family, and they're Palestinian as well. And you probably can't see them too well, but they're the family up on that table there. And the father was Muslim, but now he's a believer as of about five years, and he goes to church. But his wife, Nora, is not a believer. 
And as I got to know her, she was so sweet and very kind, but still there were some things that she had gotten hurt by from believers doing or saying, and she was pretty resistant to the gospel. And so I continued to pray for this family because the husband has a huge influence on his wife and on their two daughters. While I was there, Nora actually, she wore a hijab that covered her face, but she took it off and she doesn't wear it any longer. So even that is a step towards that because it is a huge deal for Muslim women to wear that hijab. So um, if you remember Nora, she um, prayed for her that her heart would continue to soften and through um, church people that would continue to love her um, uh, through Christ um, and what Christ has done for the church. But probably the main way um, that I've been able to minister to Muslims is through the Somali community. And I want to, um, I put a few pictures up here. This is example of a Somali mall. And I realize um, that when I say a mall, we get a picture of you know, white, nice um, hallways with beautiful stores and bathrooms and stuff. But these malls are more like a marketplace, African marketplace. There's about five right in South Minneapolis in the Somali community. And in the first few weeks, I would go in here quite often, and I still do, but many of these um, shops are owned by women. And so they have their booths, and you can see they sell all sorts of clothes, brightly colored, their rugs, teas, containers, and they probably sell about all the same things. So I don't really know how they do much business, but they love to talk, and I think it's more so an outlet for a lot of interactions with other um, Somalis. And so I'll go in, and they're very chatty, especially if you take interest in them, um, especially as a person. And so usually if I go in and they want to exchange phone numbers, and especially if they know that I have graduated with a degree in teaching English, they want some help with that. And so when I left, I was visiting about four or five different women, and I would then go to their apartments and teach them English. And this opened many opportunities to share the gospel. I remember one time I was walking away from the mall and it was a very cold day in January and I had to walk down to my car and I passed these two Somali ladies walking and they asked me where I was parked. And I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird question, but I told them and they were like, oh, it's pretty cold out today. And I was like, huh. Maybe they want to ride. So I asked them if they wanted a ride, and they said, oh, yes, our car just was in an accident, so we don't have a way to get home. And it was right around the corner, not too much. So I hopped them in, and they, by the end, I got their phone number, and she wanted some help with English. And so you never know the ways that God um, will use a little interaction like that. And I've learned that God just wants us to be available. Even slowing down for me at the grocery store and maybe looking available to these Somalis, like I'm open for them to ask a question too, or not rushing around um, 
can make a big impact on people like this. Um, so I wanted then um, to show you, this is Lula. She's one of the ladies that I visit about three times a week. And she's a Somali lady in her 50s, and she has a family of three children um, and a husband. And it was so neat. Probably more than anybody, I learned about the Somali culture. We would usually start off with English lesson that would last about 20 minutes, and then we would just start talking about whatever was happening in that day, helping her arrange a dentist appointment or picking her children up. And we always did it over tea. Um, and so she was a huge blessing and is a huge blessing in my life. Um, she usually calls about once a week while I've been home and we FaceTime. And um, it's really neat. She, I was introducing my mom to her when I was leaving. And we went over. She had prepared a huge meal for us. And she told my mom, she said, Melissa is not just my tutor, she's my daughter too. And that means a lot to my heart because I love her as well. And again, God has opened that door to build that trust. Um, through her, I learned of, of the importance of prayer and praying specifically. And one time I prayed very specifically that God would give me an opportunity to speak of Jesus. And because more than anything, they do reject Jesus as the Savior and as God. And so as we were preparing the tea, she had mentioned something about getting up early and praying to Allah. And I said, well, I pray as well every morning. She said, oh, yeah. And I said, yeah, but I pray to Jesus. And I was able to then sit down with her and ask her, what the Quran says about Jesus, but what, more importantly, the Bible says about Jesus. Um, and so Lula is a special friend, and I wanted to uh, share with you as well a little background on these women here quickly. These ladies are Somali by birth, but many of them have lived in refugee camps in Uganda, Ethiopia, or Kenya. And Somalia is the Horn of Africa, and it is very war-torn and on the verge or in a famine almost weekly every day. Um, uh, they've been in war since about the 1960s, and then the 1990s is when it was opened up for them to come to America as refugees. I remember talking to one family, and they were in the refugee camp about for 12 years. And they would say that they would line up about every day to get their physical done, um, but then they wouldn't have enough you know, time, the, enough doctors to see them, and so they would line up the next day. So there's a lot of hoops that they have to get through. Um, to get here. And Lula, the woman I was just talking about, she still has a mother and some siblings in Somalia. And I asked her, well, why are they still in Somalia? Because it's not a good place at all to be living. And she said, well, my mom has a little shop there, and that's all that she knows. And, um, and I was reading, actually the other day, some articles on current-day Somalia. And it, it saddens my heart because, because 
of these um, different clans and these terrorist groups, many of the children especially are in jeopardy there. The terrorist groups target the Quran schools um, to kill them or to take these children as captives in order to um, use them as terrorists as well. And it's the terrorists then even block any huma human um, help, other outside help from getting into Somalia. So that means not only government help, but also any sort of Christian help. Um, from statistics, all the Christians in Somalia have been killed. Um, it's one of the top persecuted countries in the world. And so it is a very dark, dark country um, and one that no one wants to live in. And so that is why a lot of these Somalis have come here to our land, um, specifically Minneapolis. And you might wonder why Minneapolis? They come from a desert to a very cold tundra. And it's because our government in the beginning, as they were accepting these refugees, they placed them up there because of the good work um, and employment that they were able to have. And now there's a huge established community. Over 77,000 Somalis live right in Minneapolis. If you watch the Super Bowl this year, um, that big stadium, it took place about two blocks from the Somali community. So I pass that, um, that football stadium about every day to get to some of these apartments. These apartments are where a large majority of the Somalis live. And as I, as I drive past, again, I, I often pray for them because I think of the thousands of Somalis just living in these apartments and then more so all around this area. And then as I go into the Somali malls, um, they pray five times a day. So this call of prayer is is so loud over the loudspeakers, and that means that the women have to go into their shops and to pray to Allah, and then um, the men have to go up to the mosque, which is on the top level of the mall, and they have to go and pray as well. And so it saddens my heart to see these people entrapped in their ways, um, and it reminds me that we all are in such a strong spiritual battle, and Satan is raging for these hearts, um, but as was said earlier, God is more powerful, and he reigns. And I wanted to share with you something that I learned, um, a lesson, was that God is at work in these dark places, and he's even at work in the darkest of hearts. This is a woman that I met um, about January. She's Somali, and her name is Rosin. And she reminded me so much of her life, reminded me someone who God is working and can take a very hard heart and mold it how he pleases and um, for his purposes. This verse here that I have up there, in Mark 4, 26 through 27, it says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. 
And Jesus is the one that showed us by his example that he has overcome death um, by rising again. And he was buried, but he returned with um, hands full of fruit made in that dark place. And so God is working in many dark places. And I wanted to share the story of Rosin. I met her at a very, again, dark time in her life, both emotionally and physically. Um, she just needed somebody to be there for her. Her family all lived in Canada, and she was recently divorced, and her um, daughter was taken away from her. And this spiraled her down into a depression, and that's when I met her, when she was the lowest of low. And I honestly felt very inadequate. I wasn't sure why it was me that was helping her because I didn't feel like I had the resources or the knowledge to help her. Um, but God um, gave me that peace, um, that perfect peace that he promises in those hard and difficult times. Um, so that began a long journey of a month spending with Rosin. I would visit her either at the hospital, um, different places, try to get her into some stable locations, um, but nothing seemed to work out. And I remember one Saturday, me and my roommate had tried to find a, um, a house for her to live in that was much more stable, and things weren't working out, and so she was staying, Rosin was staying at our house, and I dropped her off, and I texted her, okay, remember your toothbrush, blah, 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 those type of things. And she texted me back and she said, okay, sister in Christ. And it kind of took me off guard because I thought, how does, uh, how does she even know this terminology, sister in Christ, and why is she saying this? And before that, she had um, been very much in turmoil in Muslim or in Islam and in Christianity, she had plunged deeper into Islam for a month, and then, um, then the months afterwards, she had professed to believe in Jesus, and she even prayed, um, but then her actions didn't follow up with that, so I was very unsure of what she really believed in her heart, and so I texted her back, and I said, well, what do you mean by this, and she said, it means that I'm a Christian now, and I, I trust Jesus. And so I called her, you know, just to get the full story, and she was in tears. And she said, Melissa, if you could only feel like I'm feeling right now, I have so much joy. And here, when I had dropped her off, and nothing that I did or said, she had just went and read her Bible. And she started reading, and she just said, I, I just knew that it was true and that I needed to trust Jesus, so I did. And it was the neatest thing and such an answer to prayer because I was able to see her transformation to joy and belief in what Jesus had done for her, um, for her sins and the darkness that she was entrapped in. And I had read something that describes her, this transformation perfectly. Um, and it speaks of Isaiah 42.7, where it says, um, it speaks of the deliverance from sin. And I read, Jesus rescues those who are confined in mental darkness by sin, and this deliverance is as wonderful as if a prisoner should be delivered suddenly from a dark cell and 
be permitted to go forth and breathe the pure air of freedom. Such is the freedom which the gospel imparts, nor can there be more strikingly description of its happy effects on the minds and hearts of the darkened and wretched people. And so um, I'm thankful that God allowed me to be there to witness that um, and to see his transforming power. Uh, update on Rosin. Um, once she truly was saved, she began coming to church on Sundays and on Wednesday, she wanted to be in church whenever the doors were open, um, and she got um, started having biblical counseling from our church and got into a program that would help um, in her emotional needs, especially. And she got into a healing house where she's been in, but recently um, she relapsed and needs to find another house. And so um, it is, again a very hard place where she's in because she's tempted to go back to her old ways. And um, she not only has that, but she was Muslim and her family still is Muslim. So um, she knows that if she, she said to me, if, if my brother would ever find this out, he would kill me. And um, that's what often even puts sometimes fear into my heart. I know these Muslims are in very much danger from their families. And so pray for Rosin that she would have boldness, not only to study the word of God herself um, and to make that part of who she is, but also um, be willing to tell others in her time. And I know that's the work of the Holy Spirit as well. Um, and so that's Rosin and how God has worked in her dark heart. And so... Um, through that. I wanted to share with you quickly again um, how God has led me to see some other lives impacted, and I hope to return to do the same. You can read um, my vision for Muslims up there on the screen. And as I think about this vision to evangelize, but to disciple ladies like Rosin to also share the gospel, I think of a bicycle. Um, the, the state of Minnesota is known as the bike capital of America, and it's true. You find bicycles all around, well, when it's not snowing so much, um, but there's uh, places for people to ride and along the road. And I remember getting my first bike. Um, it was for Christmas, and a nice red bike, and when I got it, I didn't know how to ride a bike. Um, my parents had to take me out on training wheels. They had to show me how to brake and how to steer out of the way, pedal, make sure that I was looking in the right direction, not being distracted by things. And, um, and I first needed to trust my parents. I needed to trust that they would show me how to correctly ride a bike. And then from then on, I could ride it myself, and then I can now even teach others how to ride a bike. And this is, as I think of this, it's what I strive to do with many of these women up here in Minneapolis. So let me give you a few examples of this. First, like I said, it's important that these women have, are able to trust the person who is telling them about the Lord. Um, I... As I said, I trusted my parents to encourage me and to walk alongside of me. 
And without trust, many of these Muslims, they, they reject anything that you say um, because they have been Muslim since birth and they think, well, why should I listen to anything else? Um, but as I've gotten to know this religion more so, and even specifically these women, um, trust is huge. And some of these ways that I've learned to build trust is simply through picking up clothes from the laundromat from one, for one of my friends or learning how to cook their Somali food. Um, sometimes it's celebrating a birthday because Nemo and her sister had never celebrated their birthday before. They had never had a cake with candles. Um, sometimes it's taking them sledding because, again, they don't know what sledding and the fun um, that they can have. And sometimes it's, again, just sharing a smile. This is the wife that I worked at at the cafe. And for a while, they just didn't want to come to church. They would say they were busy. But Easter, we were having a special celebration. And her and her kids, um, they came and they received all Jesus DVD that they were actually excited to go home and to watch. And so you never know the avenues that God will give to proclaim um, the gospel, um, as well as um, new babies. Um, this is Hope, and she's 19 years old, and she's from Somalia, but she was a refugee in Kenya, new to America, and she didn't know anything about babies or giving birth. And when I met her, and I still don't, I, I didn't know anything how to help her. And so I thought, oh, well, why don't I bring my pastor's wife, and that was a way that I could incorporate the church and um, her to see the body of Christ. And so we got her some diapers and things, and my pastor's wife came along and we showed her how to put on a diaper and talk to her about some of those things. And now, Hope, um, her and her baby and her husband, they visited, and she's more than willing for us to pray for her um, in Jesus' name, and to pray for this little baby um, boy. And so it'll be neat to return and to see um, how he's growing. And I pray that, you know, through our lives, through those at our church, that we would continue to impact this little boy and Hope and her family. And so those are some ways that um, God has led to building trust. But just like riding a bike, um, we have the trust, but without the actual bike, we can't teach a, a person how to ride that bike. Um, and so it's important to give the bike or the gospel to these women, uh, give the word of God. And sometimes this is a lot more intimidating than building the trust. It's pretty easy for me to um, go to their homes and make food with them, smile, but being bold and saying, no, this is, this is the only way to heaven, and um, this is what the word of God says, can be sometimes difficult. But again, through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer, um, it's the best thing, the most loving thing that we can do for these ladies. Um, sometimes it's just by talking while 
we get henna um, at the Somali mall. These women love to sit around just like we get our nails done in the American culture. They do the henna on their hands. It's a dye that dyes their hands or feet for a few weeks. And um, this one time I was getting henna, me and Sarah and a few other friends, and we started to talk about how to go to heaven. And the lady explained, well, I do all these good things because it puts the scale up like this. Because if I do more bad things, then I'm not going to go to heaven. And those were the exact words that she was saying. And we were able to share with her how Jesus, because of his blood, we can trust that. We don't have to make, keep tallies of our good things or versus our bad things. Um, another one that I was able to share the gospel, that's Lua again, and Nemo is a high schooler, and they're open now to me speaking of the Bible. I was able to share with Lula the story of Noah, and actually Nemo as well, and how through that, just like the ark, Jesus is the only way to be saved from the penalty of our sins. Um, and then this is Hani, um, and she's about my age, and she received a Bible from me. She actually teach, teaches at a Quran school, which is kind of intimidating to talk to because she knows her stuff a lot, but um, she was willing to have a Bible, and she started to read it, and so um, I'm still conversing with her about what she believes and praying that... Um, God's word we know is living and is powerful, and so I pray that um, that gift will continue to work in her heart. This is Mary, this little girl that I met, um, and her father is Christian, actually, and her mother is Muslim, and I just met her through a quick interaction um, outside the mall, and she heard me praying about Jesus, and she asked me, oh, you, you believe in Jesus? And I said, yeah. And she started to ask me more questions, and that's where I found out that her father was a Christian. So she knew some of these things, but again, was very confused. Um, she heard two different things, and so I was able to share with her more what um, John says, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And lastly, um, the importance of walking alongside a person um, as we share the gospel. This is where discipleship comes in. Um, and just like riding a bike, um, we need a person sometimes to steady us as we're learning and to guide us in the right direction. And like I said, this is what um, me and Sarah, my partner up there, has done um, with Rosin as she's open to it. And um, she actually had said at one point, she's like, if I can just open the Bible and share what you guys share with me with another person, then I'll be happy. And so I pray that she'll continue to um, learn the Word of God so she'll be able to do that as well. Um, and there's other, um, a few other Somali believers that we know as well that we continue to encourage to come to church. Um, and it's a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, just doing life with them, um, but always being an example of Christ to these um, believers now. And as I return 
Um, I'm looking forward to not only continuing those relationships that I've built with those Somali women that I've talked about, but also introducing others. I love, love, love to bring other people into these Somali communities and see how they too can love their neighbors. And um, even around here and outside in the outside of the city, there are many Somali and Muslims, all from people from all over that are moving um, into neighborhoods and how we can impact them. There's actually um, Jenea um, over to the left. She's teaching Lula while I'm away. And so it's neat to see her love um, for these Somalis women grow as well. So just to finish up, I wanted to thank you again for being a body of Christ to me. I've, um, the body of Christ has become so special to me as I see God divinely orchestrating it in my life um, through people and individuals who have helped me and encouraged me, prayed for me, and um, have financially helped me. And so I thank you for being, again, that rope as I reach out to these Somali Muslims up in Minneapolis. And um, I wanted to share with you just that I'll need about $1,400 a month to continue to live and to do ministry up there. My plan is to return the beginning of September um, for a full year um, with Baptist Min Mission. And so um, there's some more information on the back, in the back if you would like to continue to support me or if you would um, like to do that now. I'm thankful for a faithful God who has always met my needs and um, has led people to encourage me in that way. Um, just a few prayer requests, um, just three if you could remember or write them down, is to pray for uh, me and Sarah. Sarah has returned. She had um, or has Lyme's disease and had to step away from the ministry for a little bit. But I want to especially um, reach out to Muslim children. And this usually comes in the form of getting to know their mothers and their families. Um, but there are so many children with tender hearts. Um, and so I, I pray for a way to do that. And again, Rosin is the woman who has trusted Jesus, but pray that she would put him above all else in her life. And then as I travel around this, these two um, coming weeks, I'll be speaking at camps um, and then some more churches. Pray that I would rest in God alone for my strength. And as I return, I know um, it's easy for me to just work and to do it all myself, but without God, then nothing um, will be fruitful. And so um, just in closing, um, I wanted to um, share with you this quote, which says by A.T. Pearson, God has compelled his saints to seek him at the throne of grace so that every new advance might be seen so plainly due to his power that the, even the unbelievers might be constrained to confess, surely this is the finger of God. Um, and so pray for Muslims all around the world that believers would be willing to live their life in a way that would attract um, Muslims and other unbelievers to Christ 
and that they would be able to see the finger of God working in our lives as well. So thank you. Um, I'll just put up here some ways that you can get some more information. And I have a few things out on the back table, like a prayer card and a way that you can pray for Somali specifically and support me out on that table. So thank you. Well, thank you, Melissa, for being used of God and for sharing all those wonderful stories of how God is working in that area. Let's stand. We'll sing in one stanza of There is Joy in Serving Jesus. We'll just sing it a cappella, and uh, then we'll be dismissed. There is joy in serving Jesus as I journey on my way. Joy that fills the heart with praises every hour and every day. There is joy, joy, joy in serving Jesus, joy that throbs within my heart every moment. As I draw upon his power, there is joy, joy, joy that never shall depart. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news of Jesus that saves. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry of Melissa, for her willingness, Lord, to go to this place where she is able to invest her life in the lives of women and children. We thank you, Lord, for the open doors. We thank you, Lord, for those who have came to know you through her ministry. We pray, Lord, that you would supply her with all of her needs, that, Father, when she goes, that, Lord, she would not have that burden of finances. But, Father, she would go in your strength. Give her strength, Lord, as she has asked us to pray for. Give her the strength she needs to continue the ministry that has, been begun, that has begun. Again, we thank you, Lord, for the joy there is in serving Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for our good time together. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and the great and mighty things you're doing in the world today. As we have heard, Lord, in a different part of the world that, Father, we are unfamiliar with. But, Lord, Melissa has heard your call and she has gone. And now, Lord, you have used her in a mighty, mighty way. And you will continue to use her, we know, as she leaves in September. So for the day you've given us, we will rejoice in it. And we will be glad in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you do leave, please take advantage of the white church. I want to remind you once again of that if you care to help with that ministry.